Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. So in this episode, we're actually going to go ahead and just have a personal conversation today. I know we've said this so many times during our podcast that we're talking about things that may be really difficult, but they are ultimately so important to talk about. This field of violence prevention and intervention can often be really challenging work, uh, but we all have a lot of reasons why we choose to be in this field. And today we want to share out our whys, why we do this work, why we have the roles that we do. And I know for me personally, there's been so many times where I get asked what I do. Um, and when I tell them, people usually say either like, wow, that's so great, or you know, that must be so hard. And the truth is, it really can be both, but we all genuinely love what we do. I'll speak for all of us and say that we genuinely love what we do. And so today we wanted to take out time to just share out why we choose to be in this field and work in violence prevention. And so I think our lovely Sarah is going to start us off. Yeah, so I've always really gravitated towards being a helper person. I've always liked working in the helping fields or just in general, being there for my friends and family as much as I can. So working at LVF, I'm really able to help people heal from sometimes what are the most difficult times in their lives. They had this terrible thing happen to them or they've been in this abusive relationship for quite a while and they're finally ready and willing and able to leave. And it's just something that I really enjoy doing, helping them find their voice and get into a different situation. Mm -hmm. And I also love being able to watch my clients grow and help them grow as well. Like I said, sometimes our clients are leaving abusive situations for the first time, or they might have just experienced some sort of sexual violence. And they might feel like they're at their lowest points in their life and being able yeah. to support them and really show them that, you know, you are strong. Yes, you've had this terrible thing happen, but you've come out of it and you are able to heal from this and grow. And being an advocate, I'm really able to walk side by side with them through this journey. I know sometimes we're like holding a tight grip on them in the beginning, but like, you know, like a parent with their little baby bird, we're able to kind of send them off into the <laughs> world and like loosen that grip and really just watch them grow. So that's yeah. why I love being in it. I love watching them succeed and reminding them how strong they are. Absolutely. Yeah. And then for me, I feel like it's a little bit kind of like on the opposite end. I remember working at, when I first started working here at uh, the Parent to Parent program, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to be getting myself into. Like, I remember I saw the job posting and I was like, this sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we did the CIT training, which is a crisis intervention training, I learned more about domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, and a bunch of other subjects that were very trauma-informed and very, you know, I it just gave me a different perspective, right? I knew that this sort of violence happened, but I just didn't know that it was that common or that there was like things that we could do as a community member just to even learn about it just blew my mind. So as soon as yeah. I went through that course, I really just fell in love with this sort of work, you know, this sort of field that there is, I mean, there is help out there that you can be that help for those people um, that may be suffering from this sort of abuse. I remember just going through that course and I was just like, wow, this is very... It was intense for sure, but it was very interesting because it just gives you a different perspective on what this looks like. And it totally. has a lot of layers and this, it's very dynamic and it's not just black and white. There's a lot of other things that go into it. And I feel like we grow up in this society where it kind of 
you know, they paint a picture of domestic violence, sexual assault in this, you know, this black and white picture, right? But once you really go into it, um, when you really learn about these survivor stories, then you really get into what that looks like and the challenges that they go through after that abuse. That just because that abuse ends doesn't mean that their experience at that moment ends. I mean, there's still a lot of healing that happens afterwards. And that's where the work comes in. Um, so yeah. that's where I was really like passionate about, wow, like, you know, we can, if we can do something to prevent that from happening, you know, which is why I, like I love prevention work because you're really trying to focus on that not happening, right? Or if it's happened, try to give them those skills for it not to happen again. Um, and again, I can go on, a, I can go on and on, but I just, that's one of the main things why I love working at Live Islands Freeze because, you know, there's the statement that we stand for, you know, a nonviolent community. That's what I really believe in. I feel like once we have that, a lot of things can change. Um, not just in the DV and SA world, but just in general, like a lot of this sort of violence um, stems from the same type of power and control, even if it's in a different, even if it's in the community, if it's in, you know, whatever that violence looks like, it's the same type of, you know, power and control wheel. Yeah, I love that. And I'm so happy that you talked about, you know, kind of finding your passion within the CIT, the crisis intervention training. Um because one of my kind of whys for why I love doing this work, um, back when I was teaching those CIT classes, that was one of my favorite things and something that I heard often when people kind of came into that space and started hearing about, you know, relationship violence, assault, abuse, all these different, and like you said, really hard topics, um, but hearing about them, right? It was almost this like empowering connection they felt to like, how do I get involved? And you're not the first person I've heard that from, but being able to kind of facilitate that, right? Being able to kind of speak to, and I mean, in our crisis intervention training, I mean, there's people from kind of all walks of life, either, you know, students or individuals, maybe they're working at certain agencies. And so it's kind of, um, you know, required of them to have this kind of knowledge. But there really was just like all different types of people kind of coming in to really just gain that information and watching those individuals and being, you know, one of the people on the end of teaching that information and seeing that inspiration and that connection come out of that, right? And then wanting to then go ahead and become involved in it and start doing the work was something that was super powerful for me to witness as one of those facilitators and something that just really inspired me, right? Regardless of how difficult some of those topics were to teach. And I mean, you know, for anyone out there that's kind of interested in what that class is, um, we can kind of give more information on that. But it, it's really this dynamic 101, but beyond a 101. And it's for every topic you can think of in the realm of relationship violence, abuse, assaults. I mean, we had full uh, classes talking about oppression and how that links to violence. We also had other classes talking about marginalized communities, talking about child abuse, talking about the different profiles of different types of rapists or individuals that, you know, commit sexual assault. So it, it was, it was really difficult. The classes are, you know, like college length. They're a few hours. Um, but again, just seeing that, seeing that passion, seeing that kind of aha moment for a lot of people and them finding their inspiration to get involved or their inspiration to just continue that was something I loved so much. Um, something I really love about this position also, and I will say, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, I think I've mentioned it once or twice. I now have moved out of the Tahoe area. I now live on the East Coast. So I still work through the agency in this podcasting capacity, which I'm absolutely so thrilled because Again, I love working for Live Violence Free. I love being able to still do this work. Um, and I do work in child welfare here on the East Coast. But 
I just love being able to kind of connect not only to the world to this podcast and teaching those messages, but also back to my Tahoe community. Um, I love Tahoe. It always has such a special place in my heart. I just love being able to still kind of facilitate the work that, you know, I really started in there in Tahoe, California, and just continue that. Um, something else that I really loved when I, again, was back in person and, and teaching through the agency was teaching the lessons on relationships that I desperately needed during my high school years and did not get. The amount of times when I was working at the middle school and the high school out there that I would hear, you know, teachers and teachers aides and other people in the classroom come up to me and say, wow, like I never had anything like this when I was in school. And my life would have been so much different if I had this class, if I learned about consent, if I learned about, you know, what you should expect and what you should stay away from in relationships, that would have really greatly changed, you know, the trajectory of my of my young and my adult life. And I feel the exact same way, you know, like none of us are perfect. We're all in this field. We all do this work. But I feel like a lot of us, and I'm speaking to myself personally right now, like I still work on a lot of things in relationships. I still work on a lot of things with my communication skills and things like that and boundaries. You know, these these aren't easy subjects. Um, but just being able to be there and really see a change and really hear from students, you know, after classes or after presentations and having them come up and engage and, you know, say that this information was sincerely helpful for them um, or that it really changed their opinions or it changed, you know, how they felt about themselves or how they felt about relationships. That was one of the most amazing things when I was, again, boots on the ground out there doing that work and something that, yeah, it again, there's a lot of challenging moments, you know, I've had as many of those lovely moments I've had with students approaching me and having, you know, transformative conversations, we also see the other side of it, right? We also have sometimes doing presentations and maybe we get disclosures afterwards. Listeners in the audience, whether that be students or adults that come up and say like, hey, you know, after that, I now realized this thing happened to me and I definitely need to talk with someone about it. Um, so again, there's heavier moments for sure, but all of it, you know, I just took it as, such an empowering role um, to to really help bring that to someone else, right? Whether it's the positive or that kind of, again, unfortunate aha moment of this is something I've been through and I didn't really recognize it. Either way, that's, that's a really emp empowering moment, right? And a really powerful moment for not only that person, but for me as well. Um, so yeah, that's something that I, I think really touched me early on and, you know, going through the things that I've been through um, and then helping others, you know, navigate those waters as well. Being able to do that is something that, yeah, I've been super proud of and really appreciative of. And that's really kept me going, I think, through, through the work and kept me in this field for sure. Is there any kind of last minute whys or things about this field in general? Any little success stories? Anything else you guys want to share? I completely agree with you, Lisa, when you were talking about how it wasn't, this sort of education wasn't around when we were kids and just how great it is that we do have the opportunities to go into the schools and talk with kids about this, make it, we don't want to make it a super light conversation because mm -hmm. it is a heavy topic, but when we're able to go into the schools and have these conversations with kids and they can actually like see our faces, like you said, sometimes we get disclosures. So I know down here in Alpine County, we really look forward to being in the schools. So if something were to happen, they know who we are and it can be less scary for the kids yeah. or, or the youth to come and talk to us. I mean, there's, 
I think it's less than 60 kids at a K through eight school where we go in. So there's, yeah, you know, 10 kids in a class, less than 10 kids in each grade level. So everyone's going to know everybody and just having those relationships is super important. Absolutely. And I did want to add what you were saying that um, I feel like a lot of us do this because we're, we personally like we're invested in this right it's more mm-hmm. than just a job we're really we really believe in what we do and you know the fact that you know we've all had like you said we've all had our own struggles or we all working on certain things because i feel like sort of communication like you said making uh, creating boundaries is a lifelong skill right like you're never going to mm-hmm. master these things because situations are always popping up so you're always going to have to kind of navigate oh, how do i do this or how do i create this boundary with this certain person or whatever that looks like i think it's something that you're always doing every day and you're always learning so it's not something that you're going right. to master it's something that you just kind of learn every day how to deal with it um but i feel like for this job you really have to be very invested in it you know you know whatever that looks like you really mm-hmm. have to believe in what we're doing and what we're um trying to teach these kids a step of education because it's not, I feel like anybody can go up there and say these things, but if you're not really invested in the actual well-being of the children or the teens and the youth and how this can impact and really change your life and the lifelong aspect of things, um, then it's really, I feel like it's not going to do much, right? Because you have to build that rapport with these kids. You have to try to make it as, I get, you got to keep it serious, but also make sure that they're understanding it and keeping it kind of, because you're still dealing with kids too. So you can't be super serious all the time. So yeah. You kind of have to have that good balance of making it interactive, making it fun, but at the same time, making sure that they're getting the point across that this is a serious topic and, you know, there's things that you can do and, and preventing, you know, this sort of violence can really help youth in the future, right? Um, from either being victims or perpetrating violence as well. So I, I think that you really have to have that connection within yourself to do this type of job. Totally. It's about showing up, right? And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of the students that I kind of worked with um, a little more heavily, right, the ones that kind of reached out needed more support, like they they needed more support, you know, they they perhaps didn't have a lot of people in their life that were consistent, that were there for them that, you know, showed up and continually gave them a non-judgmental platform to just talk or just ask questions about things, you know, and that could be really hard for kids. And so I really appreciate you, you saying that, you know, cause it's a lot more when you're a prevention educator, like we we've all been, and we all are in this room. It's really difficult sometimes because to deliver those kind of messages, but in a way where every student or as many students as possible feel that connection with you, feel that trust and feel that openness, right? So they they can possibly be vulnerable if they have to, whether that's just asking a question or again, possibly disclosing something like that is really, really hard to do. It's it's beyond just regular teaching. Not I'm not downplaying the difficult task of just being a teacher in general. Mm-hmm. Teachers work so hard, such incredible people. Um, but there's something about that, right? These These really difficult lessons and again navigating those relationships with kids during that so just quick shout out to like all prevention educators out there if you're listening you're an absolute rock star i mean same with teachers if you're a teacher out there listening you're an absolute rock star and doing that every day and connecting and educating that's an amazing job that you do out there so i just want to say quick shout out to you because you're doing great um but yeah you know and i'm sure there's so many things we can really say about this we may come back and revisit this topic. Um, We don't have all of our hosts here. And again, we could have all probably 
gone on and on and on. This could have been like a Dr. Phil episode of us just <laughs> venting our love and appreciation <laughs> for the field, right? But we wanted to kind of keep it simple and just share out some of our bigger whys, you know, and I understand there's a lot of people out there that probably tune into this podcast because yeah, you have some sort of an interest or an investment in, you know, this type of material or these types of topics. And so, you know, if any of you out there are thinking about um, getting involved in the field, uh, Sarah is going to share out at the end, some different ways you can do that locally or, you know, resources we have for you, but yeah, we encourage you to get involved, you know, if that's within your capacity. And so before we get there, before Sarah and Miguel share out a few couple last things um, about what you can do if you're feeling super inspired to get involved, we're going to go ahead and just do a little meditation per usual. And so if you're available right now to take on this meditation, I just encourage you to get into a comfortable space, into a comfortable position, and whatever that looks like for you. Laying, sitting, standing, whatever feels best. And I invite you to start taking deep breaths in through your nose and exhaling through your mouth. You can exhale just like you're blowing out a birthday candle. Deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. You're going to continue on with this deep breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. On your next inhale, you can gently close your eyes or you can find a spot in the room to focus on. On your next exhale, I want you to sort of scan your body. See if there's any areas of tension. Are your brows furrowed? Are your hands clenched? Is your jaw relaxed? Just start scanning the body for any tension. If you notice any areas of tension, with every exhale, I want you to slowly release that tension. Focus on sinking further into yourself or your seat with every exhale. If you have any passing thoughts or worries, you can simply acknowledge them and let them pass by. Right now, focus only on fully relaxing your body. Enjoy a few more deep breaths in this calm and relaxed state.
On your next inhale, breathe in deep through your nose and hold for a count of three before you exhale. And do that again, deep breath in, hold for three, and out. One more deep breath in, and a big breath out, releasing any remaining tension. And you can either stay in this comfortable space, keep deep breathing, or else I invite you to slowly come back into the room, start to wiggle fingers and toes, adjust in your seats, whatever you want to kind of wake yourself back up. And I hope you guys enjoyed that nice little meditation. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. So we hope that this conversation was informative and inspiring for our listeners out there. We all love working in this field so much and sharing information through this podcast. We do know there's a lot of work left to be done. So hopefully sharing our wise has inspired some of you to figure out how you can get involved in this important work. And I am going to throw it over to Miguel to talk about some opportunities to get involved in the Lake Tahoe area. Yes, like Sarah said, um, and if you're in the South Lake Tahoe area, there's a bunch of areas that you can volunteer. So we have two um, distinctive areas. So there's one direct service, which requires you to be CIT trained, which is a crisis intervention training. Um, But once you do that, you're able to provide more direct services to survivors of domestic or sexual and child abuse violence. Uh, So there's our parent-to-parent program. There's advocacy on the floor. Um, there's the crisis line advocate of um, volunteering positions. And you can do prevention work. So you can come in the schools with us and talk about, you know, these topics. And maybe if this is something that you may be interested in, um, we're always looking for volunteers in that area because I feel like that area sometimes isn't always very known for volunteers. But I think it's a mm-hmm. great area to kind of get out there. And I know that public speaking may not always be the number one thing for anyone you to do. But once you're talking about these sort of topics, it just happens. It's more of a conversation than like teaching a curriculum, you know? And then we also have our non-direct services, which is outreach or events. So whenever we go to the community and provide information on, you know, if you have an awareness month or if you're trying to just give information out to the community of what the services that we provide, you're able to do that without doing the CIT training. And then you can come here and do some admin work, reception work, and, you know, basic needs. So we have our basic needs where we distribute food and clothing on Thursdays. Um, so you can come and help out with that. That's to our that's to the whole community of South Lake Tahoe. So you're able to provide. Um, you can also volunteer in those areas. But if you want more information, you can go to livevalencefree.org, um, fill out an application, and once you do that, if you just have questions, you can always reach out to me. I'm more than happy to answer any of those questions that you may have on what volunteering looks like, or if you have a specific. Maybe I didn't mention any anything that interests you, but you have other questions of things that we can create and stuff. Again, that's my job is to find a fit for volunteers and to incorporate new programs. And I feel like a lot of volunteers always bring up new ideas, new talent, and new skills that our agency and our clients can really benefit from. 
Thank you so much, Miguel, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. We will also include links below to nationwide and international organizations that you can look into if you want to become involved in your area. You'll also be able to learn about more opportunities to volunteer, donate, or participate in different awareness month activities. We want to thank you so much for taking the time to hear from us today, and we hope that you will enjoy us for our next conversation.